You're listening to the Love for Lit podcast, where you will hear us dissect literature and make connections to today's ever-changing world. This is episode number 15. I am Sanaya, and in this unit, we focused on war, where we covered the following text. The Man He Killed by Thomas Hardy, and Westminster Abbey by John Benjamin, and Voluntaries by Ralph Emerson. Throughout this text, we focused on how authors use literature to shed light on the economical, social, and political issues surrounding war and its consequences. Starting off with the man he killed. In this text, Thomas Hardy gives off a more social viewpoint surrounding war by saying, you never really know who you're going up against in a war. And I'm not saying that as in you may or may not meet your match although in some cases that is true, but it's more in a way of not truly knowing the kind of person you are fighting internally. Meaning, you could be murdering a man who had no other choice but to fight for his source of income to feed his family. Is this a guilt trip? Not really, because there are many soldiers who are in the same circumstances. Regardless, you have to do what you can to do. Because it's either kill or be killed, and I know nobody goes into war hoping or looking to be killed. In these cases, death is inevitable, unfortunately. He goes on to say that he has a reason for killing this man because he is his enemy. But is he really? The tone in that stanza gives off the impression that the narrator is trying to convince himself that he had a reason to kill the man instead of the audience, as if looking for a way to make himself feel less guilty about what he had to do and that his actions were justified. His hesitation and repetition is what led me to believe he wasn't really sure if that was true or not. In the text, you could see where he says, I killed him because... because... He was my foe. And that was the sign of repetition and hesitance that I saw that gave me this idea. Even in the beginning of the text, he admitted that maybe if he had met him in a different place at a different time, they could have been the best of friends. In different circumstances where you're not with a gun to your head, you don't really have much of a reason to make enemies. You can tell that the war and casualty heavily impacted him in a more social manner. Considering wondering about those men who were or could have been constantly, he has to live with the endless thought about the man he killed. In Westminster Abbey, John Benjamin was more on the political side of things. He starts the text off by saying, in his nation, the women cry and the England statesmen lie. My interpretation of this was saying that they had very shady business going on in England, which led to war. And war leading to casualties. It's not that difficult to understand the author's hopes in this text, though his hopes are a bit shaky. He says that in the text... He prays to God that the Germans get bombs, but then he says to at least spare their woman. So in a way, he's not that vicious when it comes to war. Then again, he asks God to make sure that no matter what, he himself does not get bombed. So overall, he doesn't care that much who gets bombed, 
as long as it isn't England and for sure not him. He does this again by saying to protect the gallant blacks from far Jamaica, Honduras, and Togoland in their fights, but then says even more so to protect the white people. This line was more of a social skill for me because he is prioritizing white lives over any other. And in this case, like it always seems to be, it's black lives, which was a discrimination we had to go through and still have to go through throughout many years in history. Although he does seem to have some concern for black lives, he still contradicts himself and downplays the importance of our survival as black people. In Voluntaries, Ralph Emerson seemed to hold a strong sense of nationalism to his country and to his soldiers. He says that he is tired of being in a time period where men mainly care about or put effort in is their appearances. He builds off on this by saying we need more brave, strong, wise boys to take a stand and fight for their country. The lines in the text, and I quote, break sharply off their jolly games and forsake their comrades gay, end quote is saying he wants them to stop fooling around and to become men by making their fellow soldiers happy. So in a way, it's kind of like as soon as you hit 18, he's like all that childhood just out the window. You're a man now and you need to man up, put the games away and pick up the guns. In the ending of the text, he says, and I quote, so near is God to man when duty whispers low, thou must. The youth replies, I can. This means that when duty calls, duty being known as wartime, and says you must serve, the youth of our generation must say that they can do it, which they should since God is with them every step of the way. Ironic being that the title of the excerpt is Voluntaries, but there doesn't seem to be much of a choice, leading us to believe that Ralph Emerson's viewpoint was on a more political side when it came to war. Overall, the text that we covered mainly seems to be on the more political and social side of things. I have not seen much of an economic issue or viewpoints, although that war does bring economical issues into play such as reconstruction but it's mainly political and social issues that need to be addressed during wartime in these texts thank you for listening to the love for lit podcast stay tuned for our next exciting episode and remember to wash your hands and drink warm fluids You're listening to the Love for Lit podcast, where you will hear us dissect literature and make connections to today's ever-changing world. This episode is number 21. I am Naya Jones, and in this unit, we focused on war, where we covered the following text, The Man He Killed by Thomas Hardy, In Westminster, Opry by John Betterman, Voluntaries by Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry V by William Shakespeare, and Dolce et de Caron by Wilfred Owen. Throughout this unit, we focused on 
The effects of war on a soldier and how literature can be used to shed light on the pros and cons of war when pertaining to soldiers. In the text, The Man He Killed by Thomas Hardy, Stanza 2 states, For range as infantry and staring face to face, I shot him as he at me and killed him in his place. This to me means that there was a shootout in the man, the main character or the main person that's talking, the narrator, um, had a decision to make and they're just opponents so they had to kill each other. Um, I believe that the conclusion the speaker is trying to reach throughout this poem is that war is crazy and questionable, that they're forced to kill people that they don't even know or in other t- like in another situation they wouldn't have killed he says in stanza three i shot him dead because because he was my foe the only way they'll be foes is in war because any other time they probably wouldn't even they would probably would have walked past each other so that's what i think about that poem i can make a connection to Voluntaries by Ralph Waldo Emerson. In this poem, it talks about how kids or young men go off to war. It states, in an age of props and toys, when wisdom would write, who shall nerve heroic boys to hazard all in freedom's fight, break sharply off their jolly game. To me, this means that little kids or little boys are fighting in war when they should be playing games and being young children because that's what they are but because of everything that's going on they have no other choice but to fight in a war and this is somewhat like this is somewhat like the poem I'm sorry the poem Henry V by William Shakespeare whereas it seems as though like people feel that they have to fight like it's their duty to fight for example in Henry V by William Shakespeare stands the Stanza five, it states, it states, for he today sheds his blood with me, shall be my brother, be he near so vile. To me, that means, like, if they're fighting together, they're brothers, they're family, because they're shedding blood together. And for somebody else, like, outside looking in, and they think, like, oh, well, I won't be a part of that little group because I'm not fighting in the war with them. So they feel the need to fight, like, it's their duty, so that they all could be, like, together in the fight. So they feel somewhat forced, like they have to fight. And also in Henry V by Shakespeare, 
sends three estates, then will he strip his sleeve and show his guard. Meaning that they're proud of fighting and that if you're fighting in the war, that you will also be proud of it. Says, this is based off of St. Christmas Day. I think that's how you pronounce that's what it's called or whatever. And it just shows that they feel the need to fight because that's what they feel is right or what they feel they have to do. To me, this connects to like our our world now because a lot of people feel as though they have to to be a part of something, to be a part of the fight when not necessarily when you don't necessarily have to. And sometimes it could be harsh. And some, everybody's not built to fight. Everybody's not built for war. So I feel like literature or these specific poems are trying to to convey that. That everybody isn't built for war and everybody can't do it. Everybody shouldn't do it. And when we think about today's world, we think about, like, if you go to war, like, you must be really strong and brave. Because I know I wouldn't be able to go to war. But when I think of um, a soldier or somebody who's, like, brave enough to actually go off to war, I think of them as, like, heroes. And maybe that's what these poets are trying to give off. That the people who are fighting are strong heroes and they're worthy enough to do so in Dolce et de Caron I don't really know if I'm saying that right but it's by Wilfred Owen it states in stanza 4 if you could hear at every jollet the blood come gargling from the fourth corporated lungs obscene of as cancer, bitter as the cut of oval, a veil, incurable sword on innocent tongue. To me, that means that, like, what's going on right now is, like, really scary. It's saying, if only the audience could also hear the man's dying sounds and saw how he looked, he wouldn't tell this story with, with enthusiasm. Because it's so harsh, like, you can't, you can't describe this. Things you can't describe things that's going down in war like peacefully. Is no way you could do that because it's so harsh and it breaks you. That's what I get from all of this. All of these poems to me simply means that war is so harsh and you have to be really strong in order to in order to be in it, to take part in it, to even like face it. Like, you have to be strong. And that's what I'm getting from this. But that's all, folks. Thank you for listening to the Love for podcast. Stay tuned for our next exciting episode. You're listening to the Love for Lit podcast, where you will hear us dissect literature and make connections to today's ever-changing world. This is episode number 15. I am Sanaya, and in this unit, we focused on war where we covered the following text, The Man He Killed by Thomas Hardy, In Westminster Abbey by John Benjamin, and Voluntaries by Ralph Emerson. 
Throughout this text, we focused on how authors use literature to shed light on the economical, social, and political issues surrounding war and its consequences. Starting off with the man he killed. In this text, Thomas Hardy gives off a more social viewpoint surrounding war by saying, you never really know who you're going up against in a war. And I'm not saying that as in you may or may not meet your match, although in some cases that is true, but it's more in a way of not truly knowing the kind of person you are fighting internally. Meaning, you could be murdering a man who had no other choice but to fight for his source of income to feed his family. Is this a guilt trip? Not really, because there are many soldiers who are in the same circumstances. Regardless, you have to do what you can to do, because it's either kill or be killed, and I know nobody goes into war hoping or looking to be killed. In these cases, death is inevitable unfortunately. He goes on to say that he has a reason for killing this man because he is his enemy. But is he really? The tone in that stanza gives off the impression that the narrator is trying to convince himself that he had a reason to kill the man instead of the audience, as if looking for a way to make himself feel less guilty about what he had to do and that his actions were justified. His hesitation and repetition is what led me to believe he wasn't really sure if that was true or not. In the text, you could see where he says, I killed him because because he was my foe. And that was the sign of repetition and hesitance that I saw that gave me this idea. Even in the beginning of the text, he admitted that maybe if he had met him in a different place at a different time, they could have been the best of friends. In different circumstances where you're not with a gun to your head, you don't really have much of a reason to make enemies. You can tell that the war and casualty heavily impacted him in a more social manner. Considering wondering about those men who were or could have been constantly, he has to live with the endless thought about the man he killed. In Westminster Abbey, John Benjamin was more on the political side of things. He starts the text off by saying, In his nation, the women cry and the England statesmen lie. My interpretation of this was saying that they had very shady business going on in England, which led to war. And war leading to casualties. It's not that difficult to understand the author's hopes in this text, though his hopes are a bit shaky he says that in the text he prays to god that the germans get bombs but then he says to at least spare their woman so in a way he's not that vicious when it comes to war then again he asks god to make sure that no matter what he himself does not get bombed so overall he doesn't care that much who gets bombed as long as it isn't England and for sure not him. He does this again by saying to protect the gallant blacks from far Jamaica, Honduras, and Togoland in their fights, but then says even more so to protect the white people. 
This line was more of a social skill for me because he is prioritizing white lives over any other. And in this case, like it always seems to be, it's black lives, which was a discrimination we had to go through and still have to go through throughout many years in history. Although he does seem to have some concern for black lives, he still contradicts himself and downplays the importance of our survival as black people. In Voluntaries, Ralph Emerson seems to hold a strong sense of nationalism to his country and to his soldiers. He says that he is tired of being in a time period where men mainly care about or put effort in is their appearances. He builds off on this by saying we need more brave, strong, wise boys to take a stand and fight for their country. The lines in the text, and I quote, break sharply off their jolly games and forsake their comrades gay, end quote, is saying he wants them to stop fooling around and to become men by making their fellow soldiers happy. So in a way, it's kind of like as soon as you hit 18, he's like all that childhood just out the window. You're a man now and you need to man up, put the games away and pick up the guns. In the ending of the text, he says, and I quote, so near is God to man when duty whispers low, thou must. The youth replies, I can. This means that when duty calls, duty being known as wartime, and says, you must serve, the youth of our generation must say that they can do it, which they should since God is with them every step of the way. Ironic being that the title of the excerpt is Voluntaries, but there doesn't seem to be much of a choice, leading us to believe that Ralph Emerson's viewpoint was on a more political side when it came to war. Overall, the text that we covered mainly seems to be on the more political and social side of things. I have not seen much of an economic issue or viewpoints, although that war does bring economical issues into play, such as reconstruction. But it's mainly political and social issues that need to be addressed during wartime in these texts thank you for listening to the love for lit podcast stay tuned for our next exciting episode and remember to wash your hands and drink warm fluids you're listening to the hashtag love for lit podcast where you will hear me dissect literature and make connections to today's ever-changing world this is episode 13 and I am Marlia. And throughout this unit, we focused on war. We talked about everything that war comes with, all the negatives. Well, <laughs> war only comes out with negatives. It's no positive nothing towards it. Um, we covered the following text. Dose at Decorum East by Wilfred Owen. Voluntaries by Ralph Waldo Emerson. The Man He Kills by Thomas Hardy, Henry V. by William Shakespeare, and In Westminster Abbey by John Benjamin. All these texts find a way to shine light on war and the 
struggle the struggles that come with it and you know the tragedies and everything and its consequences and let me just tell you it's not worth it if you're thinking if you're listening to this and you're thinking about going into war it's not worth it there's no need to risk your life especially not for this country and especially when you're gonna get nothing out of it and i mean yeah if you win then okay you get a victory but what is a victory doing for you how is a victory helping you in any way it's not doing nothing for you and it's really sad because you know people go out there and they risk their lives and they don't get nothing in return like i mean they get recognition on veterans day but that's nothing you're risking your life you're getting your you're seeing witnessing people get shot at and witnessing people get their head blown off and all these gruesome things and you come back home to your family not even whole and all for what it's it's not worth it and all these texts just prove my point for example in the man he killed he talks about how you know him and this man could have possibly been friends but they're forced to kill each other because it's war and it's it's really sad because it's just like i mean you both are not innocent but technically you're killing like this innocent person because this is what you guys sign up for and it's just like why would anybody sign up for that it's, it's not worth it putting your family through that worry putting yourself through that it's not worth it don't do it but it's but he talks about like you know you you could have been friends with this person and now i have to kill you and it just seemed like whoever was speaking in this text just felt so bad because it's just like he killed a man he shot a man and i feel like killing someone would really change a person like i don't know but how could you ever be the same after that like you took someone's life. But that another reason that's another reason why people who go into the war and go into the army never come back the same. I've had a cousin, he went into war, he was in the army, and he came back with PTSD and all these other things. And it's just sad because, you know, you go in there, you sign up for this you sign up. And you think you know what you sign up for, but when you get there, it's something completely different. And it's scary because, you know, not everybody comes out of war. Not everyone comes out of war alive. Not everyone comes back home. No one comes back home, let me say that. And it's sad because just like, you know, you see your families for the last time and you you they promise them that they're going to come back and this, that, and the third. And I mean, yeah, you come back, but... Well, sometimes, yeah, you come back, but you're not fully you. You're never going to be the same after war. You come back with PTSD and all these other things, and your mind is not the same because you've witnessed all these gruesome things. It's sad. I could never, like, I would never, ever sign up to be more in the Army. I would never join the Army. None of that. I just, I don't know how people do it. And if you have done it and you're listening to this, then kudos to you because I could never. My stomach is too weak to witness all these those gruesome things. I just really could not. And the whole quote, dose at Decorum East, 
which means it is sweet and fitting to die for one's country. No, it is not, okay? It is not worth it. It is not sweet. It is not fitting. You're not going to get anything out of it. Don't do it. But these te- all these texts connect in some way because they all talk about war and they all just show, like, different perspectives in a way and different, like, how different people think and how different people, like, react to war. But all of their reactions is negative. It just talks about all the, these texts basically prove my point. Why would you go into war? They just point out all the negative things and all the gruesome things that you see. Like, it doesn't make no sense. Like, for example, in the text, Dose at Decorum East, there's people, that they're coughing like hags and they they're knock need like why they're limping some is blind they're so tired they're deaf like why would you do that to yourself i don't understand but all these problems i mean yeah you're fighting for your country and you know you guys are if you guys do win you get a victory and your country is like safe now or whatever but uh, i don't understand um ernest hemingway oh wait no not ernest hemingway winston s churchill sorry said that um, they people who go to war, their aim is to get victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror, just victory. Their goal is to get victory. But my thing is, why are you doing that? Why are you risking your life for victory? What is, what is the point? What is the reason? What do you get from victory? Nothing. It doesn't make no sense. And it's sad because in the poem in Westminster Abbey, this lady is praying that her people will be safe. She's praying that, you know, they're not going to face any casualties. She's praying that her empire doesn't get ruined during war. And it's sad. Like, you know, you have to worry about all these things. Like, you have to worry about whether or not you're going to make it back home. You have to worry about whether, you know, if you're fighting on your territory, you have to worry about whether your territory is even going to be safe. And the lady in the story, she's praying to God, like, she just really hopes her empire is safe. And the people, <clears throat> and she says, you know, protect them, Lord, and all their fights, and even more protect the whites, which is obviously her people. And then she goes on to talk about what her nation stands for. But it's just sad that, you know, this lady is, like, pleading to God that her people is safe and that she's safe. Like, there's no reason you have to do that. There's no reason you should even put yourself in a predicament to do that. It's really just, it's really sad. Um, And then voluntaries. Not only, well, not only did the lady in Westminster Abbey plead to God that her people be safe, but in Voluntaries by Ralph Waldo Emerson, he also mentions God, and he states that 
you know, God is near to man, which means, well, yeah, which I'm assuming means, you know, like, God is with everybody, so I guess maybe that's what gets people through war, is the fact that, you know, God is always with you, and he's in you, you're gonna be safe, and I feel like, I feel like you just have to have that type of mental to be brave enough to go out there, like, you just have to feel like, you're going to be safe and you're going to be protected and that just gives people the courage to even decide to join this thing it's just it's crazy but I'm going to end this, so thank you for listening to the Love for Let podcast. Stay tuned for our next exciting episode. Good evening. You're listening to the hashtag Love for Lit podcast, where you will hear us dissect literature and make connections to today's ever-changing world. This is episode 11, and I'm Imani. In this unit, we focused on the casualties of war. We covered many texts in poetry by Thomas Hardy, John Betjeman, Ralph Waldo, William Shakespeare, and many others. Throughout this unit, we focused on how war can not only impact people's lives, but leave us to question if it is worth it to risk our lives for the sake of our country. What is war? Such a simple question, but it correlates to many definitions. When we analyze war, we tend to think about our history and how the conflicts between different countries arose. America has been known to be an imperialistic country. And besides drafting up or signing treaties and declarations, they've involved themselves in many situations that led up to the conclusion of war. The causes of war can be to expand their territory, gain natural resources, nationalism, increase diversity, gain economic profits, and even revenge maybe. Because of these involvements, many people are forced to deal with the effects of war, which include long-term physical and mental harm to children and adults. Many soldiers decide to participate and sign themselves up into the military because they have no other way of providing for their families. I think that many people join the military for reasons such as financial help or to experience the behind-the-scenes action. Since our country is always looking for more recruitment, it is not entirely difficult to be selected for the service. In the poem, The Man He Killed by Thomas Hardy, he gives us insight into his perspective on war, and he feels that you are challenged to protect yourself at all costs, no matter the damages that are left behind. In war, you're bound to come in contact with people who are normal just like yourself. But both of y'all have a job to attain, and that's where reality sets in, sadly. You can't be distracted by the what-ifs in the back of your mind, because at the end of the day, 
It's either your life or theirs. Hardy can be considered a casualty of war because it wasn't his intention to terminate one's life. Being part of the military can cause you to be ready for things that you didn't sign up for. In the back of your mind, you tend to think about what you've seen in the movies or in TV shows, but you don't think heavy about what you've seen because you aren't really there to grasp what is going on around you. One line from the poem that stood out to me was was when he said, I shot him dead because, because he was my foe. It's sad to say that the only reason you are enemies with the opposing side is because of the war going on and not by choice. Until you are in the same position as those characters, then is when you realize it's gory, chaotic state. In Westminster Abbey by John Betjeman, the background revolved around the war going on between Germany and his country, England. The poem was written in the form of a prayer as he asks God to protect his empire and the people. Betjeman expresses his fear and how he wishes to avoid being bombed. His concerns were in regard to the lives of innocent people because he didn't want his country to suffer from any trouble or casualties. Overall, he did not want his country to become divided or taken advantage of. And I'd say this is an example of nationalism because with nationalism, you're taking pride in your country. And he emphasized the fact that England is home to many positivities and he didn't want his home country to be terminated or sold to someone else due to a war that it's possible they can lose to. Okay, so (laughs) enough of all the negativity. I'm pretty sure the point has been made and it is difficult to think about how the casualties of war truly impact the lives of people. Even though Thomas Hardy and John Betjeman are pessimistic about this topic, let's move forward and talk about people who challenge these ideas. The world seems to want millennials' perspectives rather than always depending on adults. I believe that's fair because it's important for the youth to be able to stand up for what they believe in, no matter who's listening, no matter what the audience is. Everyone has the right to their opinion. Ralph Waldo spoke highly about young men and how they can assist on improving the nation's view of war. Many people, older I should say, they, they won't be here forever. In fact, no one lives forever, but the youth has a longer lifespan than adults. Because we are younger, we can assist in ways adults no longer can. That is why we're the main target for recruitment, always. Waldo's attitude towards the idea of young men defending their nation's freedom, I'd say it's positive because he shows off a serious and sympathetic attitude to the whole situation. He understands what the youth is going through. He understands what's going through the youth's minds because... Adults were once kids too, you know. They've just gotten a little bit older, but that's all. He understands that 
the youth are trying to live and enjoy their young, happy lives. Throughout the poem, Waldo expressed his concerns for the country and how the lack of youth's attendance in this situation impacts the nation as a whole. He developed this point that even though it seems to be a tough task at hand, the only thing that should be considered is fighting for your country. Also, if all is to fail, and let's hope that it doesn't, at least you died trying to fulfill a job that was heroic. You will be remembered. All of this convincing and persuasion allows the youth to make their final decision as to whether or not they'll join. His words weren't to pressure them. Nah, his words weren't to pressure the youth, but he just wanted them to understand that their country does need them and their strength. Now, to be honest, my favorite text out of this whole entire unit was by Shakespeare. I know that his writing is very what, confusing, unpredictable, or even difficult to understand at times. Trust me, I know, and I know we all know that, but I think that's why I enjoy them. The piece we focused on was Henry V, aka Henry V. Now, the background of this piece was that England was about to go into war with the French for the Battle of Agincourt. King Henry, the ruler of England, he lacked an army because, you know, they didn't have enough people. But the French outnumbered them. Like, they, they tripled the amount of people that they had on their army. However, despite not having a large army, King Henry was encouraging and inspiring those who were willing to stay and fight with him. Shakespeare used pathos in his speech that was given by King Henry to help get rid of any worry or uncertainty the soldiers might have been undergoing. After getting rid of the negative energy by allowing those who did not want to participate in the battle, he managed to convince his troops that they will all be in this together. Whatever happens, happens. Because the overall goal was to face the challenge as an army, as a brotherhood, together, instead of just being by yourself. Continuing to look on the bright side of things, Henry reminded his troops that the blood, sweat, and tears of their ambition and determination will leave scars on their backs that they will treasure. When future generations come to exist, they will be thankful for the rich history and they can recite these accounts to their future generations so that the story is alive and it will continue to be alive. Shakespeare felt that it was important to honor those who have participated in any forms of war because without them, there will be no one protecting us. There will be no one protecting us from outside the barriers. The outcome of war has severely impacted the state of mind of many people, and that is something no one will understand except those who have been in the same position or the people themselves who have participated in it. You know, war is indifferent and War is unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen or what you will have to do to make sure that you are one of the last few that is standing. It is important that the youth are given a choice to make their own decisions, that their response will be 
free-willed rather than giving a response that is wanted. And it is also important to think about Veterans Day and how we don't give those who have fought or aided in the war enough credit. Thank you for listening to the hashtag love for lit podcast stay tuned for our next exciting episode remember that everyone has a voice to be heard and that they have the right to express themselves it is up to us to pay attention and listen bye